Welcome to the Fortune Management Practice Mastery Podcast. Each episode, we bring you powerful conversations with thought leaders in the dental, veterinary, optometry, and medical industries. At Fortune Management, we coach doctors and teams to have an extraordinary practice and an extraordinary life. I'm Kim McGuire, host of the Practice Mastery Podcast. I'm extremely excited to have Dr. Uchi Odiatu as a guest today because he is someone who can truly change the way you look at your life and your practice. Dr. Uchi is a dentist in Toronto, Canada, a personal trainer, and a best-selling author and speaker. He has incredible energy and passion for keeping your body and your mind fit to have success in all areas of your life. Today, he shares with us three very simple ways to do this. And now, here's my conversation with Uchi. Dr. Uchi Oriatu, welcome. Hey, thank you. It's always good to share with people I care about. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled. I've actually sort of watched you uh, for the last couple of years on, you know, on social media. You're really active, and I know you're a big speaker in the dental world. And it was such a pleasure to meet you in person at Zero World a couple of weeks ago. That was just awesome. And uh, it was great to be in your in your program as well and see the message that you're sending. So I immediately said, I've got to have you on the podcast. Yeah, that's, that's great. It's, you know, it's whether live or writing or even share side with my patients. I think it's as healthcare providers, we need to be comfortable with the language of whole body health. I think that whole era of being just tooth mechanics, um, you know, dentists and hygienists can keep doing it. But I think looking at the whole body, I think patients are starving for that information. They're not getting it anywhere else. And if, if dentists and hygienists and the whole team can learn the language of nutrition and ergonomics and breathing and movement, People are ready, and they're looking for someone to talk about it in a sincere fashion. So that's what I have to elevate people today. Awesome. Well, so today on this episode, I want to get a lot really from you what the benefits are for a dental practitioner of why they should get in shape. Um, But first, I want to let people know that not only are you a dentist in Toronto, Canada, but you're also a personal trainer, and you're also a best-selling wellness author you're a well, the wellness guru for Toronto, which I just love. I know you've done a lot of media work um, up there and, and all across our country as well. So we're really grateful for that. But what I love about having you on the podcast for our listeners is not only are you running a very successful, busy practice, you have a wife and four kids at home. I have two, and that's enough for me, but you've got four kids at home and you keep yourself in great shape and you go around speaking and you're really spreading your message, and I think it's so, so extremely important. So thank you for who you are, for our industry, and, uh, and you really walk your talk. So I just love, love having you on. So first of all, why don't you tell me a little bit about what are you seeing in dentistry today? Like, what are your thoughts as a, as a thought leader on what, how our industry is going? Yeah, great question. I think dentistry, there's no such thing as dentistry itself, I think, only because if someone went to New York City— you know, Donald Trump has a different idea of what New York City is compared to maybe a homeless person, compared to a stay-at-home mom, compared to a student. Like some people see the opportunity, other people see crowded and expensive. So I think dentistry is the same way. Like some people look at the opportunities and uh, between all the digital dentistry and everything else that's going on that's so exciting. And then others see, oh, it's people don't have enough money to get the treatments that I, I want to do. And 
uh, I can't keep good staff and CE is expensive. So um, all I can share is my perspective, which is unique to me, but like, you know, 160,000 dentists and 190,000 hygienists. But I'm very much um, an optimist. I grew up that way. My mom, you know, opened up these Norman Vincent Peale calendars at, at breakfast time and read quotes to us. And she sang songs to us on the way out the door to school. So I'm definitely a glass half full person. So I really see the opportunity. I see the digital dentistry um, uh, paradigm just exploding. I see um, team members wanting to grow, not just clinically, but with their careers and professionally. I see team members that want to write and speak themselves. And uh, I encourage them to go to Toastmasters and, and learn the power of the spoken word. I see dentists who are trying to squeeze every bit of um, out of their clinical investment, buying machines like the CIRAC and digital panelists and all this stuff. However, I want to share this morning is how much is valuable to get in shape. Um, some of the research shows that if someone goes from being completely sedentary or inactive to getting in shape, personal productivity by up to 25% the following year. So when you think of someone whose office is building a million dollars or $2 million, a 25% increase in your productivity is a huge ROI and yeah. simply getting a flat stomach or thinking clear. <laughs> right, Exactly. I love that. And what I love about your message is that, you know, our tagline is extraordinary practice, extraordinary life. And really, we want, you know, the whole package. And you're really talking about this missing piece that if you don't keep your physical body in shape, you know, how are you going to be enrolling patients in treatment? And also, I agree with you. These doctors spend a lot of money on technology or a lot of money on CE. But if they don't have great communication skills, they're not enrolling patients. It's also about their physical body and keeping themselves in shape. So I love it. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's, it's really looking at everything. And I think it, you know, there's that whole talk about the body-mouth connection, and it's very academic and a lot of theory and studies. And, and dentists are having a hard time figuring out how they're going to charge or talk about it or generate into conversations. But I think the minute someone gets in shape, the minute someone gets to seven to nine hours sleep a night, the minute someone starts drinking more water, watching their posture, maybe exercising two or three times a week, you start realizing how much lucid thoughts you have and how clear your conversational skills are and how you're able to have more energy at the end of a long day. And then patients get that mouth-body connection because they see the healthy practitioner with the clear eyes and fresh breath and great posture. And it translates into being a very harmonious, integrous vessel to give dental treatment. And not that you can't be out of shape and do dentistry, but you definitely can be more productive if you have a good back, a clear mind, no addictive habits, uh, you know, and good posture and breath and everything else. So I'm a huge fan of getting in shape to help your patients and do everything we do better. Great. I love it. So, yeah, you're saying you see a 25% growth of people getting in shape. That's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's, and you know, it's amazing is it's not just necessarily that you'll be stronger, that you can take out teeth quicker. Um, mm -hmm. There's a book called Spark by uh, John Rattay. He's a medical doctor. He's a, a Harvard-trained. He's a psychiatrist. He wrote a book called Spark. It was out a few years ago. And he talked about how the fact that um, being, being an exerciser, getting in shape, uh, people who exercise have more of this neurotransmitter called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And there's no other way to increase it in your brain other than to exercise regularly. And the advantage of BDNF in the brain is it acts, he said, like miracle grow in your brain. So if you have two people of equal skill level, both equal ability, you know, equal college training and CE, the person who exercises will always outperform 
the non-exerciser because their brain, which is the, the, really the engine of the body, is performing at a higher rate. Memory's better, deductive reasoning, uh, uh, crystal intelligence, fluid intelligence. And this is all just being able to do burpees or being able to walk around the block. So mm-hmm. um, that brain benefit is a huge part of the exercise bonus for the, dental, the dentist. I love it. So the brain and then increasing your productivity and then tell me a little bit about what do you think, how do you think it affects them as a leader and leadership? Well, I think, um, you know, I know Fortune Management is all about, you know, uh, nurturing and supporting the leadership and in the dentist. But um, a leader, we always look to a leader for a higher standard, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's President Obama or you think of, you know, Hillary Clinton wants the job or Donald Trump wants the job. We want them and we expect a leader to have more energy. We expect them to stay longer. We expect them to have more energy at the end of the day. Um, so if you don't, so if someone's not in shape, you can see how... Recently, Donald Trump was talking about Hillary Clinton coughing, and is she well enough? And yet Hillary talking about, let's see, you know, Donald Trump's doctor to see how healthy he is. And a lot of people are thinking, what does it matter if someone's got high blood fat or high blood sugar? Well, it means everything, because suddenly we expect the leader to be in charge. And if you're in charge, you need to have the physical dy- dynamism and, uh, and the charisma to take uh, 330 million people, basically, or a dental office, 20, 30, 40 people, um, day to day, without looking fatigued. You know, they always say, don't let them see you sweat. But as a leader, if you're in shape, um, to be the last one standing, to be the person to, you know, to bear the flag, makes you look like you're the go-to person. And I think a dentist who's always sore, um, you, know, um, uh, you know, needing coffee to prop him or her up. So to, to be physically strong um, definitely helps people think of you as the go-to person for their issues and, and challenges. Awesome. I love that. And so when they're a better leader and people are looking up to them, then how does it, do you feel like when the doctor is really taking their health to another level, it spreads around to the team? Have you seen that happen? Well, well as doctors, we're always talking about, um, you know, uh, taking care of yourself. We talk to the patient about, you know, taking care of themselves and maybe replacing a crown because the emergence profile is not good and the tissue is bleeding. Um, but if the doctor themselves smells like McDonald's or Burger King or they have yellow <laughs> fingertips from smoking, mm-hmm. um, the, the team's thinking, you're sick. Saying one thing to the patient, but you yourself is not holding up yourself up to a higher standard. Mm-hmm. So I think when you look like you're in shape, and if you have a yoga mat in the back of your car, or if you say, instead of lunch, I'm going to work on insurance forms, I'm going to go for a walk around the mall, their team is thinking, wow, you know, Dr. Riatu or uh, Dr. Sheila is really walking the talk. And the minute you hold yourself up to a higher standard, it encourages everyone else then all of a sudden, not that they feel forced, but they feel a subtle indirect pressure to take better care of themselves. So that integrity of that message, that authenticity, mm-hmm. patients love seeing harmonious message, messaging and the teams loves that harmonious message. I, I agree with you. And I think that they're, they're smarter than we think. I think sometimes the doctors say, oh, the team doesn't really care how I, how I handle my personal life, but they really do. And they really look up to the doctor. And sometimes the doctors are some of the most important mentors in their life and the most positive role models. And of course, you become like the five people that you spend the most time with, right? So um, it's really, really important. Um, and I, by the way, I did want to mention uh, how your book is so simple and, and profound and simple, not in a bad way, simple and profound because somebody can read that book and really take their health to another level, even starting if they don't do anything. So um, that's a really awesome resource. Oh, tell Thank me a little you. bit, um, Uche, uh, what's an example in your life where you've really had to dig deep and, um, in your busy life and pull out that energy that you get from keeping yourself in shape? 
Well, um, you know, dentistry can be challenging on its own. And everyone quotes that stat that, you know, dentists have the highest suicide rate. And that's, yeah, that could be true. But we're definitely up there in stress because mm-hmm. when everything's going well, it's easy to, to smile and, you know, floss and, you know, whiten those teeth every six months, you know. But when things go wrong, and most dentists will say, it's not the clinical things that challenge me. It's not the financial things that challenge me. It's the, it's the personal intangibles. It's, it's having to fire an assistant who you've, uh, who's not doing their job. It, it's being challenged with an older that no longer wants to go to your alma mater and wants to take two years off and go through Europe and join a band and get his ear pierced. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the fight with the spouse that challenges you. And it's those little intangible things that don't seem important that really take it really, you know, um, light, heavy your load. I think uh, my wife and I, and, and just to share a story, I wasn't going to share it today, but I might as well share it. It's uh, 12 years ago. My wife and I, we, we, came, we first moved to Toronto to, you know, to really do this thing at a big level. My wife's at Miss Fitness Canada, Miss Fitness University. She's a neat lady at a whole other level. So got pregnant really quickly. Um, our, our first born baby, uh, Jordan, um, was born with so many different special needs. We had no idea during the pregnancy that he was got so many challenges but he had a breathing disorder seizure disorder and a feeding disorder he was basically called medically fragile and here am i practicing just in a new city nine months into a new city and all of a sudden we have this baby born that is spending all day at the hospital you know feeding tubes ng tube my wife we were stressed to the max and it wasn't financial because obviously in Canada, we're lucky we have universal health care. So it wasn't the, the cost. Mm-hmm. It was simply the load of having another you know, little eight pound human completely dependent on you. And, the, you know, newborn babies completely dependent on you for the first, you know, six months, year, two years, three years. Sure. They said Jordy would be dependent on us for the rest of his life. Wow. And uh, you talk about. I'm glad that I exercise. You talk about, I'm glad that I don't have no addictions. You talk about, I'm glad that I have a flat stomach and I'm glad my Irish mother brought me up with optimism and my wife is well-read and she's a teacher because we had to dig in and use every one of our lifestyle skills just to stay upright um, during those early years when, you know, numerous visits to the hospital, you know, feeding machines and nurses and 24-hour care. And, um, and staying positive, like I was, I was doing preps and doing endos and extractions and, you know, Syrac crowns and bleaching. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I had this background weight of looking after this firstborn son with so many special needs. And patients, you know, they care about me, but they don't only hear about my ch- troubles for the two hour, three hour big operation. So mm-hmm. um, I had to stay strong physically and mentally and emotionally just to keep my faith, you know, my strong Christian, my wife, we, we did, you know, I believe everything that, that I was invested in up to that time was not so much for this flat stomach. It was strictly to stay alive and thrive during this nine years. And then three years ago after, you know, his care was almost a hundred thousand dollars a year. It was incredible how much, how this was um, on us. And then three years ago, um, he, he passed away. Basically as you get bigger and bigger and as you can oxygenate your body, uh, this little guy passed away. So you can imagine that, plus being a dentist, plus being a dad. We had him besides him after. All very healthy, thank God. But um, it wasn't until I realized, okay, being healthy is nice. It's, healthy to, it's nice to go back to your high school reunion and still look like you're in shape. But just to be healthy and last through those nine years. And then we had another little baby, little boy, uh, Theo, last uh, April, mm. healthy little babes. Now we have four children, three girls and a boy. Mm-hmm. And just to stay alive and keep our relationship going and keep the practice going and my own faith going, um, being in shape definitely helped me through 2004 to 2013. So um, it's not just about aesthetics. It's mm. strictly to give you some emotional 
emotional, physical stability when life hits you with a two by four and you got to keep going. Wow. I've got chills. I, I, I was not aware that he had passed away. So thank you for sharing that story with us. I think it's so profound because you're right. No matter what hits us in our life, and we have to be prepared for truly anything, that when we manage our state and we manage our physical body and our mental toughness too, that we can feel those emotions of sadness and joy and everything in between. Um, and I, I agree with you. You're, you're, you're in shape, not for the flat stomach, but to handle that. So Wow. Thank you for sharing that. So, and that can translate then you're right, because losing a child or having a disabled child is one thing. It's also about doctors not being able to make payroll or being stressed out because somebody's not stepping up to the plate in their team or a new doctor moved in down the street and they're worried about competition, which of course we all know there's no competition, but they might make that up in their heads. So thank you for, for all of that. What other ways can keeping yourself in shape affect your, your dental practice. It helps well, you. Well, besides making you look like a better leader. Because <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Better, sorry, I interrupted you there. And, and, and to be a better communicator. Here we are, we're interrupting each other because we're so passionate <laughs> and excited. Um, but, um, Me too. I, I think to be a better communicator, I think, you know, when I lecture, I, I move every part of my body. You know, I, I love watching other communicators, you know, Bill Clinton, Tony Robbins, uh, Obama. Um, uh, look at anyone that sends chills down your spine or can really get you going. You know, if, uh, Christie, the New Jersey governor who, you know, people often say, oh, he's not in shape. But it's amazing how uh, even with, with being, you know, overweight, he still has a powerful message. And I'm thinking, can you imagine how good he would be if he was down to 180 pounds and he had a flat stomach and a good back and a clear mind? Like, so it, it's amazing. I, I watch powerful speakers and I realize how much important energy is in, in making look like your, 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 your message has clout. I think I've seen speakers speak behind the podium and very quiet and uh, they're, they're sipping coffee to get through the morning. And <laughs> they always say things like, oh, it's a three-hour program this morning. And, and if I go quickly and we don't take a break, I can get you out early. And I'm thinking, we're going to go as long as it takes until you get this, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm all about putting on the afterburners. So, and I think as employees, you know, when, you're, when your team looks at you, they really want to see someone who is living by example. And I think, you know, Albert Schweitzer said, you know, role model isn't only not only a good way to teach, it's the only way to teach. So I think, um, you know, having strength and energy makes my voice carry better. Uh, they can, I can feel my heartbeat, even when telling the Jordan story. Mm-hmm. If, I was, if I was weak or addicted or I, or I had, you know, a, a double cheese waffle with syrup and cherries and <laughs> uh, whipped cream on top this morning, mm-hmm. I, I would, I'd be weaker. I, my blood sugar would be high. My, my thoughts would be foggy. And maybe telling Jordan's story, our little son who passed away, I might have broken down during the time. But it's amazing how um, when you when you digest food well and your muscles are working well, you have energy uh, to, not just to digest fatty foods and refined foods. That energy is left over to talk better, uh, make better deductions, and and stand up for yourself and stand up for the things you believe in. So I think uh, being in shape makes you a better communicator. It helps you think more clearly. Uh, they've shown how it increases the, the size of your hippocampus. They've shown as we get older, the hippocampus, which is the seat of our memory, um, shrinks. And if you're stressed out and angry, resentful, anxious about the person down the street, resentful for the hygienist who takes all the glory during your recare exams, <laughs> you know, if you're annoyed at, uh, at, at the fact that you're, you, know, you can't afford the latest Serac machine and you're saving up to get this one, um, all those stresses and frustrations actually shrink your hippocampus. They've said that chronic anxiety actually causes chemical changes in your 
your brain. So the hippocampus eventually shrinks. So you've all heard of people at 30, 40, 50 saying that, oh, now, now that I'm 50, I can't remember this number. Or now that I'm 60, I can barely remember my kids' names or my grandchildren's names. Well, they've shown that exercise um, increases brain volume back to your youth. It also uh, keeps, uh, keeps your hippocampus full like you did in your youth. So instead of you know, making um, explanations and reasons why you're not, your memory's not good, Exercise keeps your memory good, deduction reasoning good, uh, it keeps your thoughts lucid. So it's amazing how fitness, and as you can see, Kim, it's so much more than the buns of steel, even though buns of steel are nice, okay? Buns of steel are very <laughs> yes. nice. But mm-hmm. having a brain that works and your memory work, I think patients love it. Like when I go down to a patient and I'll say, oh, did your son get into that college that he wanted? And they'll turn around to me at the recare exam and the patient will say, do you have that written down? I go, no, no, I just remember from last time. Right. How do you remember, doctor? You have, you have 1,800 other patients. And I'll say, you know what? It's important to me to know about you. And I know more, when I know more about you, I can treat you better. And I, I, it's important for me. And they think it raises me up in their, in their eyes in terms of a valued healthcare provider. So, and it's not just you know, memory tricks. It's simply because when you think good thoughts, when your hippocampus is full from not eating refined carbs all the time and doing cardio, your hippocampus remains full. You can remember all those little details. You can remember this patient doesn't like to be sat back all the way in the chair. You'll remember that they don't need epinephrine, that they, they, they get a, their, you know, their pulse quickens with them if their epinephrine goes up from a, a, you know, one in 100,000 uh, regular lidocaine. So I think all that translates into patients realizing, I like this person. He he really knows me and he knows enough to remember me. And I think it's some kind of memory trick, but I say simply because I said, I exercise three or four days a week and I have, it gives me miracle grow in my brain. And then I get a chance to share the science of uh, John Rattay from his book called Spark. At the same time, I'm putting topical on because dentists always ask me, how do you have time to talk about fitness with patients? And I said, I, I run it into my conversation. So if they, if they pride me on my memory, I'll say, oh, it's because my hippocampus stays full because I exercise, you know, three to four times a week. There's a book called Spark written by John Rattay that talks all about this. He said, people who exercise have more of this thing called BDNF or miracle grow in their brain. And I said, do you want me to write that down? And so I write it down on a card and I give it to them. And that's all while they're waiting for the, um, the topical to sink in. And it's all so seamless. Right. Uh, there's no trick to it. it, it just, it's effortless and it looks fun. And my, my assistant eventually goes to me. Sometimes I work with an assistant that maybe not, not be an exerciser, but they'll often say, uh, Dr. Odiatu, I, I get the impression that I should work out. I said, there's no assurance. I said, um, maybe at lunchtime, instead of, you know, sitting down and just, you know, beefing and complaining in the staff room, I said, why don't you go for a walk around the mall and see what the, you know, the fall sales are around. So um, I love to share what I'm passionate about. Yes. Well, obviously your passion uh, shines through on your, in this conversation and then, and when I did see you uh, speak a couple of weeks ago at Zero World in Orlando, you're right. You're so physical. You're so, you have so much energy and you're so passionate that you got everybody up and we were doing yoga stretches and chakras and all kinds of things. And it was, and people were getting it and they were connected with you. And anybody who's been to a fortune management seminar knows that we get you up and we get you dancing and moving around because we also know that people learn better when they're physically moving their body, right? And they're participating and Exactly. And, yeah. And so um, I love that. And then bringing it back into the dental office, many of our listeners may, may not give a presentation. However, you are presenting all the time to your team, to your patients, to your family, to your friends, all the people around you. You're, you're always enrolling people in what you're passionate about. So I just love that. So why don't we tell, talk about three ways? What are a couple of ways, Uche, that dentists can get into better shape? Like, what are some things they could do? 
Well, one of the biggest things I think is time. Most people, I think 65% of the reason, 65% of the reason why people say they don't exercise is because of lack of time. Right. And I totally get that. You know, uh, four operatories, nine operatories, person with eight um, offices, you know, 10 staff, 30 staff, 40 staff. You can definitely rationalize. And I, and I like, I like uh, what Rabbit Allen said, Mark Victor Hansen's uh, author buddy. Yep. He says rationalizing is basically ration of lies. Basically, you're making an excuse because if you're a busy dentist, make an excuse why you can't exercise. And then you talk to an equally busy dentist who exercises. Basically, that equally busy dentist has really cut the tree of your, your excuses away from underneath you. So, you know, being a busy dad of four, you know, we have a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, a 4-year-old, and a 17-month-old. You know, I'm 50. I'm a half a century old. You know, I work four days a week in the office. I'm speaking probably 35 times a year. Um, busy life, Toronto, I have family, I have, you name all the things that regularly that, that, uh, that an adult does. Um, but I will never say I don't have time. So the, the whole thing, the way I make time is I don't work out for an hour and a half anymore. When I was 18 and all I had to do was, you know, find a nice pair of leather pants and a liter of cologne. And that my whole problem was just, you know, which cologne <laughs> should I wear when I go to the nightclub? Mm-hmm. I now have more responsibilities. So I, I have less time. So I have done research and, and being a national strength and conditioning associated trainer. And also I'm a professional member of the American College of Sports Medicine. So I get the three latest journals in exercise science. I get them every month um, physically. I like to tear them out. I staple the ones that matter. I digest them and share them. So in the last five years, the latest thing is interval training. Interval training is all about less is more. So that old-fashioned style of being on the treadmill for an hour or running for an hour is fine. If you like running, run for an hour. But if you have 1,800 patients, if you have 30 staff, if you have two kids, five kids, 10 kids, if you have nine practices, you don't have an hour to two hours to work out every day. So interval training, what the recent research shows, as little as six to seven minutes of interval training, so high and low, alternating intensity. And this is going to take more than this conversation to explain this. Mm-hmm. But simply high, varying intensity, high, low, high, low, for five to seven minutes is equal to 50 minutes, equal to five, zero minutes of steady state training. And they said the heart, our cardiovascular function, improves greater. So they've done studies over 10 to 12 weeks comparing interval training, short amounts of interval training compared to long periods of steady state training. And you'll actually get up to a double increase in VO2 max, which is how your body handles oxygen with interval training in a short amount of time compared to long steady state. And for most people, boring exercise because literally 90% of the population doesn't exercise because it's boring and it takes too long. So interval training, five to seven minutes. This is crazy, Kim. And I, I, I almost love like, it. Really every time. Five to seven minutes is equal to almost an hour of wow. steady state training. And one of the biggest reasons is it conditions your need for more oxygen. So have you ever heard of the term EPOC before? Yes. E-O-C. Mm-hmm. So yep. excess post-oxygen consumption. Yep. So that stays elevated up to 20 hours after interval training. Mm-hmm. Also, fat burning is up to 37% higher for 14 hours after interval training compared to steady state training. And steady state training, basically there is no bump in fat burning after you get off the treadmill or after you come in from a slow, a ready, steady state jog. But interval, interval training, your metabolic rate, your fat burning up to 37% higher for 14 hours after. And that's what, it's that afterburn that allows me to have worked out last night for 15 minutes and had made no excuses about it, but that's all I did yesterday was 15 minutes. And if you looked at me, you'd swear that I must work out an hour and a half a day. Yes, yes. And at, at 50, I'm saying, I don't have an hour a day. Mm-hmm. I have 15 minutes sometimes. But, um, and I have a great article. If I could give it to you or send it to you, and if sure. you want to post it, it's, it's a great, it explains 
interval training in detail for any busy person to really uh, make exercise a permanent part of their daily habits. That would be awesome. And I have heard of um, EPOC through a couple of things. I, uh, my parents, who are, you know, who actually many, many people know my dad is a retired dentist and he always kept himself in very good shape. And they're still in really great shape in their 70s and skiing down the mountain and, and doing lots of, lots of sports. But they gave me, or I've read their book, um, Younger Next Year, and that book really talks about EPOC. And also there's another, there's a workout um, kind of craze going on called Orange Theory. And that's, you wear a heart rate monitor and, and it, it's all about getting your heart rate into that zone so that you're burning fat the rest of the day. Okay. Yeah. So that's pretty much the same thing. Same thing. It's all about shorter bursts for whatever reason. We don't know exactly why yet. Mm -hmm. The body responds better to to, um, high intensity, low intensity. And some of the exercise scientists are theorizing that um, back in the caveman, cavewoman days, you know, 50, 100,000 years ago, Mm -hmm. um, you wouldn't find a tribe running for two hours at a jog. (laughs) Because what they do is that would take all your energy. So what it does is they walk when you need to. And if you had to run after a rabbit or... A, a, a prey to eat, or you had to run from um, a prey. You could run in, in short bursts to get away, and then you'd stop quickly and then walk again. So saying that this walk, run, walk, run, or low intense, high intense is more like how our age-old physiology is meant to work rather than the slow, steady jog. That is fascinating. I love it. And I, I, I love your, send your article, we'll post it in the show notes. And also, there's a lot of resources online. I know there's a lot of people on um, Facebook that are, are doing these, you know, have these exercise eBooks that you can download. There's all kinds of information out there if you just look. So I love that though, because I do agree. Most people say that time is what they don't have, but you know, the thing is we all have 24 hours in the day, right? We, yes. So we, it's what you make of that time. And maybe people could do less of, you know, reality television or some, <laughs> you know, <laughs> things like that. Well, sometimes it's important to know what's on the Kardashians. It's, it's funny. I'll often throw in, oh, I saw the Kardashians last night, because people always expect me to be meditating at night, chanting, <laughs> rubbing my Tibetan bowls. bowls and, <laughs> but I'm like, you know, I, I got to feel the pulse of what my patients are thinking. I, everyone's not evolved and enlightened and, you know, doing downward dog and reading, you know, the Torah. So <laughs> I love it. So I, I will watch the Kardashians. And mm-hmm. so instead of sitting on the couch, though, I'll sit on a ballast ball or a stability ball. So as I'm sitting, I'm moving around my core. I'm not, I'm not sitting, leaning over. And I like to know what the pulse of America and the pulse of Canada is talking. Because I'm talking to people. I can't be just in this, you know, elevated castle alone, you know, ch- channeling information at nighttime. I need to know what people are thinking. So there's nothing wrong with watching TV. But I do know, though, I will not sit down for an hour doing nothing. And I know that um, all the scientists say that multitask is not a good idea. But if I'm going to watch something mindless like television, right. I need to either be sitting on a ball or sitting on a stationary bike, because that's the only time you'll catch me watching television, St- sitting on a stationary bike or, or sitting on a ballast ball. So I'm using some muscles as my brain is being put to sleep, learning about how the latest lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> right. I love it. Awesome. Awesome. Great, great tips. Um, so what's another way that a den- dentist can get into shape? Okay. I-, I like to keep things easy. And you talk about my book, you know, The Miracle Health, and most people most people make fitness too complicated. Mm-hmm. And anytime, anything in our lives that we make complicated, we don't do. Uh, whether it's financial planning, we don't do it. Or if people make it that talking to team about uh, issues that matter is complicated, so most dentists put it off. So my book is all about making it simple and doable. I make it so simple and doable, it almost seems silly that you're not doing it. That's my strategy. Mm-hmm. So let's, so interval 
journey might seem challenging until they read the article, until they learn about orange theory. But um, one thing the dentist could do or the hygienist or any of the team could do is start sipping a cup of two of green tea every day. And you're thinking, ooch, green tea, give me something more complicated. Well, green tea has catechins in it. It's also got tons of antioxidants. And when you think of a, a dentist's life, stress, you know, putting on the rubber dam, you know, get, cementing your crown, controlling saliva, getting patients to pay, talking about treatment planning, it, it's, it, it generates a lot of tension. And tension makes people breathe shallow. When you breathe shallow, your body's filled with free radicals. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of oxidative stress in a busy dentist's day. So you need a lot of antioxidants, antioxidants in fruit, vegetables, good foods, and things like green tea. Green tea is packed with it, so dark chocolate. So green tea actually helps bind the free radicals and takes them out of your body. So green tea is, has a, is, is a potent food that has tons of antioxidants in it. So sipping one to two cups a day. And I mentioned, you know, cold teas, sugared teas do not count. Basically, uh-huh. it's a tea bag. It's got to be a healthy tea bag. Japanese tea is the best. Sencha is amazing. But, there's, you know, any green tea for now, don't make it complicated. Not a lot of them just start wanting to make it complicated. They start looking at organic <laughs> Tibetan tea. Don't make it complicated, doctors. Mm-hmm. Any tea bag, Lipton's, you know, Nestle. Stash teas are great. Celestials, Celestial are great teas. Mm-hmm. Get a tea bag, steep it for five to, five to seven minutes. That gets out all the catechins. Catechins like EGCG. EGCG or epigallocatechin gallate is an antioxidant that actually helps uh, tell the body not to grow blood vessels around a tumor. It also encourages apoptosis. Apoptosis or apoptosis is, is telling cancer cells when they grow in your body not to, to die because cancer cells always say like girls gone wild, like the video girls gone wild. Cancer <laughs> cells don't know when to go home. They keep growing and growing and growing. <laughs> and our regular yeah. cells eventually die. We die and reborn. You know, the, the cell turnover in the mouth, the cell turnover in the stomach, the cell turnover on the skin. So regular cells die. Cancer cells don't know when to go home. So green tea, EGCG, encourages apoptosis. It encourages cancer cells. Bye-bye. Go home. I don't want you. So sipping green tea every day, besides, besides having a little caffeine in, which helps you think more clearly. I love my caffeine. There's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And bes- you have EGCG or epigallocatechin gallate. Or just think of catechins. Mm-hmm. Uh, tons of antioxidants, purges the free radicals from your body and literally helps you age in a healthy fashion. So um, I'm a green tea fan, I, at least two or three cups a day. And it's such an easy way. So I like to do tough things like exercise, but an easy one is just to dip a tea bag in hot water and then sip it slowly like medicine. And it's amazing how that'll, that'll kick up your, your whole fitness habits to the next level. Well, I love that on so many levels, obviously, because of the benefits of green tea, which I'm a big fan of. Also, though, when you sit down and have a cup of tea, it sometimes it makes you stop and be present a little bit, maybe with that cup of tea. And it kind of slows your mind down, even if it's for five minutes, you know, in between patients or at lunch or whatever it is. So I love that. That's great. Good. And what's your... So you're a green tea fan. Like you love, green tea is, you know, coffee is nice. And coffee is supposed to be, I've read some interesting material in a book called The Diet Myth and how coffee has fiber. It has half a gram of of fiber in every cup and it does feed your your gut flora and it's good for you. But green tea, if someone's caffeine sensitive, if someone's already a hard driving, you know, over the top, you know, like a Howard Fran kind of guy, he doesn't need more coffee, you know, (laughs) maybe green tea would still give him caffeine without having that, you know, the loads and loads of coffee, caffeine part of it, so... Yeah, you know, um, I do enjoy coffee in the morning. My husband is not a coffee drinker, so he drinks a lot of tea. So we're all, we always have some tea going of some sort. So all throughout, especially in the wintertime here in Denver, Colorado, it's nice to have a cup of tea. But that was interesting about that the 
iced tea is not, does not have the same benefits as hot tea. It's steeped. There's a really good book called Anti-Cancer, A New Way of Life. It's written by a medical doctor and, uh, uh, who got brain cancer. And um, he, he did the surgical route. Um, no, maybe he didn't do the surgical route, but he, he wanted to look at the traditional ways of, of you know, fighting his cancer. But he also spent half of his book um, looking at Eastern philosophy and alternative healing. And he said, most people don't acknowledge or realize how much science and how many good studies have been done with broccoli and garlic and green tea, and um, not putting, not going to a regular dry cleaner. They said a regular dry cleaner has chemicals in it. And he said, um, if you really want to reduce your exposure to toxins, little things like instead of using a regular dry cleaner, use one that's called Perk Free. It's a really long chemical name, but it's P-E-R-C. And it's a huge name of a, a dry cleaning compound. And when you put dry cleaning clothes on, they're the tightest under your armpits where there's lymph nodes, tightest around your waist where there's lots of lymph nodes, tightest around your neck where there's lymph nodes and around your groin. What happens is these chemicals are one more thing that your lymph nodes have to combat. So in this book, he talks about just going to a dry cleaner that's environmentally friendly or it's called perk-free. That alone can reduce your toxic load and help your body uh, not be exhausted from fighting those daily battles with decay, gingivitis, periodontitis, and you know, perk in your dry cleaning and all the refined carbs. And then when your body's really challenged with a cancer or uh, a personal or an emotional storm, your body has energy left over. And, I, and that's my metaphor. N- not by, I tell people to floss at nighttime, brush two minutes twice a day with your Sonicare, not because I told you. But I want you to keep the fires of inflammation low so when your body ever has to fight the big fight, whether it's a financial issue or a marriage issue or a disease issue, your immune system is well-rested and you can fight the storm with a lot, like a General Schwarzkopf style, rather than letting this storm peter out for 5, 10, 15 years. So, um, and I like my Schwarzkopf war metaphors, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm a fan of trying to get people to understand what I'm saying. So I draw a lot of my analogies into my conversations. That's perfect. It's perfect. That's how people learn. I'll, I will put that book, the anti-cancer book, in the show notes, a link to it. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And what's the what's third way that a dentist or dental practitioners can get into shape? Um, I want an easy one because most people expect me to do – I remember I worked out with the chiropractor and he goes, Ooch, I want to go to the gym with you. It must be some kind of – he's expecting some kind of Navy SEAL, Green Beret, kick butt, Donald Trump style workout. But instead, we were done in 50 minutes. I go, yeah. And he goes, um, I thought you were going to have, have to crawl towards our car and use both hands to put my key in my car. And I said, no. I said, um, I said, here we're both healthcare providers. I said, the last thing I want to do is beat my nervous system up with a crazy boot camp style intense workout. I said, I always like to train uh, overall at a 70, 80% level. So I look forward to coming back the next day. A lot of people train 150% every time. Eventually, they either get hurt or they drop, fall off the wagon. I've been exercising now for 38 years. I've never missed more than six days. I, I had my appendix out two, two years ago, so I, I missed two weeks at that point. But in 38 years, I haven't missed more than uh, basically five days. And, um, and it's all because I periodize my training. I don't train too hard, and, and I, I train in little because all the growth happens when you're resting most people think all the growth happens when you work out but the growth happens between the workouts so i want to give people not a, a tougher way to get in shape so we have interval training we have green tea the third one is the easy one about breathing and you're thinking ooch what do you mean breathing and i'm talking about it's amazing how when you look at your posture and how you're sitting or standing and how you can change your breath how it changes your thoughts and uh, the buddhists talk about the fact that uh, most people are stressed even exercise just say when you're stressed, angry, resentful, jealous, annoyed, irritated, frustrated, confused, we, we have shallow breath. 
Anytime your breath is shallow, um, the brain, which is an oxygen hog, you know, the brain only weighs three pounds, but it takes in 20% of the incoming oxygen out of your body. So anything that takes in that much oxygen has a lot of exhaust. So anytime your body's breathing shallow and you're breathing very, you're angry, holding your breath, you're holding your, your gut in, what happens is your brain goes, where's the oxygen? What's going on? Anytime your brain is figuring out there's no oxygen or less than it needs, it leads to a fight or flight response. And there is no dimmer to the fight or flight response. It's either on or off. So breathing shallow, being angry, upset, being anxious, irritated, ups- resentful, upset with how you know the politics and the government's going and looking at the news, what happens is you breathe shallow. And the brain doesn't just let you know for a few minutes that it's upset. Some people are chronically anxious or frustrated. And what happens is the body will, will have a low-level fight-or-flight reaction, not just for an hour, but 24 hours a day. So someone who, who lives with chronic resentment, anger, has a lot of past, you know, even family of origin issues they've never dealt with. Basically, our, our fight-or-flight system is on all the time. And they're literally exhausted, you know, sucking back coffee when they can. And b- because they don't breathe fully, what happens is the brain increases blood pressure slightly, people that can't get their blood pressure down with meds, increases their pulse, so their heart rate is always rapid. But this, when you think of the diabetes these days, and diabetes is doubled. So in 1999 in America, there was 12 million diabetics in America. In 2010, 25 million. So it more than doubled in about 13 years. Um, I'm thinking some of it's in the overeating and sedentary living, but a big part of the diabetes is simply the fact people have an ambient high levels of sugar because anytime your body's irritated, the brain pumps a bit of sugar for the fight or flight that never really happens because here you are angry in front of your laptop, sitting in traffic, the blood sugar rises for the fight that never happens. So um, breathing deep can tell your brain, relax, you know, I'm okay with that. You know, I don't, you know, I'm a piece of what my uncle did, or I forgive my father, I forgive my mother. And anytime you're breathing deep, your brain goes, okay, you know, you, you, you show you, your thought of your dad or your mom or your ex crossed your mind, but the breath always takes precedence over your thoughts. And if you breathe deep, your brain goes, I'll let, I'll let you go with that. And it ratchets down the fight or flight response and your body lowers blood sugar, pulse lowers, blood pressure lowers, and you age in a more healthy fashion. So it's amazing how just breathing with deep diaphragmic breaths or never holding your breath or when you're anxious or frustrated, not breathing shallow to take a deep inhale if you're in traffic. You know, some guy, I was backing out of, I was at a radio station this morning doing an interview and I was waiting to back out because the traffic was flowing. And this guy wanted to get into my spot. He didn't know that I was waiting because I couldn't leave. And he started honking his horn. (laughs) And right away, you know, that caveman went, where's my bat, you know? But I breathed deep and went, Okay, he doesn't see the traffic. You know, what can he do? And I just backed out and went away, ignoring the fact that he was honking. You know, so so the whole idea is deep deep breaths or using your breath to control how you feel can lower blood sugar, um, control help control blood pressure, lower your pulse, and help you age more gracefully. So I, I, don't, I haven't, and again, I'm an eclectic, you know, exercise scientist kind of guy. I read metaphysics. I read Tony Robbins, I read Jim Rohn, I read Deepak Chopra, I read Eckhart Tolle. You know, I, I take my personal training journals, I take my dental journals, I look at my ergonomic stuff, and I listen to Scott Pope talk about sleep apnea. Uh, I saw him at Sarah World. And I put it together in an eclectic soup, and I try and look at the big picture. So it's, it's a really nice way to look at the world e- eclectically. And, it, 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 I, and I help to draw connections between things and let people know how even being angry can make you fat or how being anxious can make you fat. And they go, How? Well, your blood sugar stays high and your pancreas gets tired of trying to sop up the extra glucose in your bloodstream 
and you become insulin resistant. And then when you become insulin resistant, you become a poor fat burner. And that stubborn roll around your stomach, literally because you haven't forgiven your father or your mother or your ex. And literally, when you, when you let these past emotions go and you either get counseling or you do you know, yoga or you, 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 know, you go to Tibet, um, when you let negative emotions go and no longer judge yourself for having them, it's amazing how body fat lets go off your body too. So letting negative emotions go, you can all release body fat from your body. So um, you have interval training, green tea, and breathing deep. Oh, I love it. Do you have any... Um breathing exercises that you teach people to do or, or, or a way to, the, to get into that habit? Yeah, good question. Mm-hmm. No, I, no, sorry. I, only because I think a big part of that is, I think, again, as dentists and as, you know, you, you've been, you know, going to university, we like to make it complicated. What I try and do, because all the idea is uh, many, many people in today, we take 12 to 15 breaths a day, um, up to 20,000 a day. Uh, most people don't remember taking a conscious breath yesterday. And that's what happens when life flies by. Mm-hmm. Anytime someone says the weekend flew by, in my mind, I'm saying, because you didn't breathe once. Or if someone <laughs> says the last year flew by, you didn't breathe once. Or the kids grew up before I know it. You never took a deep breath and looked at your son's eyes. So I say, next time you want a moment to last longer, inhale through your nose and exhale through your mouth. And what it does is it adds more depth to the moment and then you can never say the morning flew by if that makes sense and it's really a neat way to look at it but it's all about and one thing i try and do then is i tell people to remind yourself if you look if you're out with your spouse having a beautiful dinner instead of just thinking when's the check coming we got to get to the movie after think look at my spouse's eyes and look at the the way the sun's setting out the window and you inhale and then you exhale and what it does is it anchors or it puts that visual field into your brain forever and you can recall those moments forever literally and then what it does is it slows down time. So you'll never catch me saying life flies by or the kids are flying by because I've learned since Jordan was born, you really got to add more texture and depth to each moment because we never know when we're going to leave the planet. But I really want to be able to add depth to every moment. So I can never say my life flew by. Like I'm really um, enjoying each moment. So to, to remind myself to breathe deep if I don't have someone in front of me, I'll often move my watch to the other wrist. Or if I wear a, a, a leather little wrist strap I got from a, an assistant a few years ago, I put that leather wrist strap on my other hand. And every time I look at it, I'll take a slow inhale and an exhale. And, and one or two a day, we're ahead of everyone in the population because no one breathes deep and slowly except yoga teachers, uh, maybe <laughs> exercisers. Mm-hmm. And that's only 5%, 5 to 10% of the population. So um, changing a watch to the other wrist is a perfect way to remind – every time you look down at your watch, ooh, remind just all of a sudden – Inhale through the nose and exhale slowly through your mouth. And it's amazing how it resets your metabolism, resets your nervous system. And it's a great way to really uh, add more texture to the moment. Excuse me. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love the, uh, the idea of using some sort of a, a, a signal or a trigger. I know some other people in my life have reminders that come up on their phone or come up on their, um, their iWatch or whatever it is. So uh, nice. I think that's great. Yes. And it's not just people who meditate. I think that you know, people say, oh gosh, I've got to start this, you know, hour meditation every morning in order to learn how to breathe deeply. And it's not that, it's all the time. You're standing in line at the DMV, just practice breathing. You're in traffic, practice breathing. So I love that. And then I'm sure that, you know, if we had more time, we could go into gratitude. I think gratitude is obviously a part of that. I think you become grateful if you're looking at that sunset or you're with somebody you love and you're breathing deeply, you go into that gratitude just sort Mm -hmm. of naturally. Mm -hmm. So important. Mm -hmm. 
Well, we haven't really talked about food, and food, of course, is a very, very important topic. I know, I know. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. This is great, but I, I want to know, do you have any tips around food? I mean, food is a whole, it's a huge, obviously, it's an industry. It's a yes. major challenge for, for many, many people. What are some simple tips? Well, to acknowledge the fact that most people think if you exercise, you lose weight. Exercise is good for your physiology. It's good for your brain. You age healthily. However, they've actually done studies that exercise doesn't actually take off weight um, your, your, your metabolism resets with your new amount of activity. Um, and a lot of bodybuilders know this. And fitness athletes, my wife is Miss Fitness Canada. She won Miss Fitness Universe in 1998. She's an amazing lady. She said, my abs are built in the kitchen. She says, I can work out all I want. I can do boot camp. I can do yoga. I can lift weights. I can train. I could, I could exercise. But if I eat too much, I will not get a flat stomach. And you see, I see a lot of people who curl, play baseball, play hockey. But because they you know, drink four beers every time they go out, they, you know, they have a big bucket of chicken, a pound of wings, and they wonder why all their workouts not, you know, generating the fruits and they're getting the fruits of their labor. It's because they haven't mastered the kitchen. And they say that abs are built in the kitchen. So if someone hasn't mastered food or if they eat for pleasure always, or they have a lot of emotional beliefs about food, they will never have the flat stomach of their dreams. So um, food is a quite uh, ambiguous, paradoxical area for most people. We really have a hard time. You know, one in three North Americans eats fast food every day. Yeah. That's the other day. One out of five, one out of five meals are eaten in the car. And when you're eating in the car, it's not quinoa and kale. You know, you're eating a <laughs> chub, chub stick dripped in sour cream with, uh, you know, bacon bits on it. So um, if one of five meals in America and Canada for that matter are eaten in the car, it is not good for the bellies. So um, the food talk is a big talk. I'm again. I could spend you know a weekend program would, would touch on would, would be good on food. Sure. Water is important. Staying hydrated. Um, um, when I say go to a grocery store, uh, basically food never jumps into your mouth accidentally unless you're a seal at SeaWorld. So <laughs> when someone says, "I can't believe I just ate this donut," unless you had your mouth open walking beside cinnamon bun and O'Hara, nothing ever gets thrown in your mouth accidentally. So I'm a huge fan of when you go to the grocery store. Shop with intention. So when I go to the grocery store, I'm thinking, how do I want to age? I want to be a healthy dentist. I want to be a good role model. I want to be a fun, flexible dad. I want to be a fun, flexible mom. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a female dentist. It's been 10 years. I have three children. I want to practice another 20 years. Um, how should I, what kind of food should I buy to encourage that goal? Most people don't shop for food that way. What's on sale? What's convenient? But when you start shopping with, with, um, with intention, when you start making more conscious choices, immediately you spend more money and time at the produce section. So quinoa, kale, spinach, beets, garlic, onions, blueberries, apples, oranges. If I'm going to buy bread, it's whole grain bread. If I'm going to get milk, um, I'm getting organic milk, so there's less hormones in it. I'm going to get the best cheeses. I'm going to get Greek yogurt. I'm going to get probiotics. I'm going to get free-range grass-fed meat. And as I fill up my cart with this fresh stuff, I go to the grocery store and go, I mean, I go to the checkout mall, $400. But my wife always says she does not care about how much stuff costs. She goes, food is an investment in my family. And I love that. She's the first person I've ever heard say that before. She goes, food is an investment in my family. It doesn't cost me anything, she goes. I invest in my food for my family. So what a beautiful way to look at it rather than, oh, $400. I could have bought a Louis Vuitton belt, you know. So, yeah. so um, you take this food home. You put the food that you want to eat more of in, at eye level. People don't realize it. we set up our fridge. So stuff I want to eat more of, it's at eye level. When I open up the door, 
It's at eye level. Ah. My kids' stuff, if they're having gluten-free cookies, it doesn't go on my level because when I open up the cupboard, I don't see their gluten-free cookies. So I, I sabotage in a positive direction my healthy foods at eye level in the fridge. So if I want to eat less cheese, it's not going at eye level. It goes at waist level. So when I open up the fridge, I pick the stuff that's right in front of me. So it sounds too easy, but opening the fridge, they've shown, and there's a book called Mindless Eating by Brian Wansink. He's a PhD out of Cornell. He did some tons of research on the, he talked about geographic eating. What's close to you eat more of? And you're like, Ooch, what the heck does that mean? Well, yesterday I did this radio interview. I'm sorry, this morning I did a radio interview. And in the staff room, a guest, previous guest, brought Twix, Mars bars, and Kit Kats, in, and I had it right at the table beside this guy at a laptop. And I said, the chance of you eating those chocolate bars are very high. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, I, I'm, I'm not going to eat them. I said, if they were seven feet or more away, they'd be further than your reach, and you'd be less likely to eat them. He goes, what do you got out of here? I said, you know, Brian Wansing, mindless eating. They did research on the, how far food is from you, whether you'll get up and get it or not. So um, I, I, we plan our kitchen strategically. We buy strategically. Uh, we choose food with intention. It definitely helps having all the family on board. You know, the kids get fish oil. You know, the kids get their fish oil every day, a little spoonful of t- fish oil to get 500 you know, milligrams of omega-3s, which have been shown. You know, the brain, I think 60% of it's made of fat and how omega-3s have 500 functions in the brain. So if, any, if, any, if there's a dentist out there or a consultant that's not eating fish, a, po- a pound of fish a week, and is not taking a teaspoon of fish oil every day, you've got to realize this beautiful brain um, has 500 functions or roles for fish oil. So if you're not having omega-3s in your diet, your body's got to make your brain from, you know, donut holes and apple fritters and whatever else food you're eating. So um, eating with intention to be the smartest consultant to the dentist out there or the treatment planner is to have some omega-3s in your diet. So um, I know I've thrown a lot out there, but eating with intention, shopping with intention, omega-3 supplementation is key if you're not eating a pound of fish a week. And no, no one eats a pound of fish a week. I, saw, I read a study the other day that said only one in seven people eat the right amount of omega-3s every day, which is about 1,000 milligrams. And that's if you're healthy. If you right. have an arthritic condition or periodontal disease or gingivitis, which is inflammatory, omega-3s are potent anti-inflammatories, we should be doubling that. So um, it's pretty cool. I, I, I love Hippocrates. You know, 2,300 years ago, he said, let food be your medicine yes. and medicine be your food. So um, it's not new age. This stuff is, you know, 2,300 years old. So uh, the masters have talked about it years ago. So we, we just stirred the pot. I'm sure you and I could talk for hours. I think, uh, <laughs> exactly. It sounds like it looked like it looks like you need a healthy life. I saw the delts. I saw the I saw the bit of a tricep there, you know, it's uh, <laughs> old. So. I know you do your, you do your workouts. Yes, I do. And I, and I remember reading, and if anybody wants more tips on this, I do want to mention your book again, because you go through very simply what kind of foods to be eating. And it's really getting back to the basics. It's whole foods, whole, whole grains, you know, healthy, lean meats. But you just mentioned, of course, the omega-3s and also the um, uh, probiotics, right? Isn't that the other thing that you promote? Yeah, huge fan of probiotics. Um, again, there's lots of studies talking about how um, unhealthy people have a very... Uh, homogeneous gut flora. Mm-hmm. They said, if you got, you know, people talk about having a stomach of iron, basically means they can eat anything. Uh, really little allergies and they can eat anything. Lots of, lots of food tolerances. So uh, people eat a lot of junk food, people who are stressed, people who don't sleep well, people who don't exercise have a very, a very little diversity in their gut flora. So what happens is they have inflammation, um, whether colitis, Crohn's, irritable bowel, uh, food intolerances, uh, you name it, they, they have in, they're inflamed. They've also shown inflammation, what's happening anywhere 
is happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I look at inflammation in the mouth and I see periodontal disease and gingivitis, um, I realize, hey, these people could be, infl- you know, they talked about in- inflammatory syndrome. So when I talk about inflammation in the mouth and that they floss and brush and see us every four months, I'm thinking, where else? Do you have any problems anywhere else? And they doc, why do you care? I said, well, people with periodontal disease are more likely to have other forms of inflammation elsewhere in their body, like in their joints, sometimes in their digestion. Doc, I just started taking Nexium for, um, for uh, reflux. And I said, it, what's, what's happening anywhere could easily happen everywhere. So that wellness conversation, you know, gets into that. And then I'll talk about probiotics as a good way to help get your digestive flora, your gut flora back on track. And the patients always say, and it's such an easy way to build a practice. Doc, I learn something new every time I see you. Ah, yes. say, see you in four months. And boom, <laughs> uh, they, book, they book the next visit. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's really a, a cool way to practice thinking of the whole patient, you know, total health. I love it. I love it. Well, boy, we have covered so much, Uche. You're such a wealth of information. I, we could have we could have multiple podcast episodes with sure. you, um, which maybe we can have you back on the show. But why That's- don't you? I always like to ask my guests towards the end of the show. What you know? What's been um, a, a, a book or a resource or somebody that's had the most impact on you in your career? Ooh, um, there's books that I recommend because. I'm, right now, I'm just I'm reading, rereading Spark. This is the, uh, the New Science of Exercise Evolution by John Rattay, but I won't say that's the number one. But there's two that I kind of, if someone says I'm kind of lost or I want to get more clarity in my life, I, I, I kind of mentioned two books. One of them is uh, by Don Miguel Ruiz. And that's ah, the, yes. the Four Agreements mm-hmm. is amazing. It can be read as a teenager can read it. It's all about um, keeping your word, never assuming, um, always doing your best. And uh, uh, don't be swayed. Uh, Compliments or criticism, you know. Yes. And and then that book I love, and I've read it probably two or three times. I recommend it to patients if they're looking for something or searching for something or wondering why they're clenching. You know, I could throw a plastic, you know, a night guard in there, but I also tell them, you know what? There's something annoying you at some level. I said, so do you read? And they'll say no. I said, well, you can get these books on audiobook. And they'll say, what do you suggest? And, I, and I'll mention the Four Agreements. And there I am. I'm saying, Uchi, do you prescribe the Four Agreements for Bruxism? Well, I tell, I tell people <laughs> that something is frustrating you. And I said, if you, can't, if you don't know, you've you got to create some clarity. And I said, there's books out there written by people smarter than you and I that can help you create clarity in your life. And, and I, I'm always writing down books for patients to read. And the book, one of the books I go to most often is The Four Agreements. And the other one is um, uh, The Power of Intention by Wayne Dyer. Mm-hmm. He just passed away a, a little over a year ago, but uh, I've met him two or three times now. I've been to his courses and love the guy. He's written 40 books. But The Power of Intention has got an incredible systematic way. It's great for dentists because dentists love steps and procedures and systems. Yes. Uh, it's very systematized in what to do to create more clarity and, and create more intention with your day and to get what you want. So those two, the four agreements and, uh, and uh, the, the power of intention. Uh, and that's so wonderful that you, that you got to meet Wayne Dyer. You know, I have read that book and I also have it on audio and it's, just, and he, you know, is reading, reading the book and it's just a, it's a beautiful recording. So I recommend Highly recommend people listening to that too if they don't sit down and read. And I know that's that's sometimes how people get their books these days is via Audible or just audiobooks in general. So wonderful. Well, how can people learn more about you? How can they follow you on on social? What do you recommend? Um, I'm a huge Facebook fan. Like my wife and I post all day long, but we've since maxed out our friends. I have, have 5,000 friends. Right? <laughs> um, so next time I have a party, I got to invite all five. So I'm maxed out. So we got to start either a business page or start out a new personal page. But so we're maxed out on Facebook, but I, I'm always, you know, p- people kind of drop out and people drop on. So Facebook is one way. The other way is to um, go to my website. Uh, the website is um, fitdentist.com. 
So fit dentist is easy to remember. I, sometimes I tell people Dr. Uchi, but people get all kinds of spelling mistakes. So, so, <laughs> yes. so fit dentist goes to that same website. Mm-hmm. They can send, um, I have a contact page where they can send me a question or a, a speaker's query or a lecture query. Um, Twitter, um, fit speakers is my handle. So yep. fit speakers. So fit speakers. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, email is so easy. You know, um, an easy one is um, info at uh, fitspeakers.com. So F-I-T-S-P-E-A-K-E-R-S.com. But you know, nowadays, Kim, you're youthful, you're young, you're vibrant. People just Google the name. If you put yes. Uchi Dentist <laughs> in, you will yep. find me. Like yep. I, I have, I'm there somewhere. So Uchi Fitness Dentist, you will find uh, a contact information or number for me. So of I love course. sharing and, and, uh, and connecting with people. And that's awesome. You're so open to, to people communicating with you. I will put all these contact, all the contact information in the show notes on our website. And also, it looks like you've got many uh, speaking engagements towards the rest of this year and into next year. So uh, awesome. You're going to be at the ADA and a bunch of other, other places where people can see you live. Yeah, Denver. I'll be at Denver's your, your city. I yes. love Denver. So I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm doing six programs there. I'm doing like two live exercise workshops is mind, body, spirit, 60 minute programs. I'm doing a cooking thing. I'm cooking uh, protein pancakes and I'm doing all kinds of neat things oh, there fun. in the trade show and uh, doing some, uh, some, a couple of two and a half hour lectures and a keynote for the new dentist. But uh, I'll be in Chicago in February, uh, AGD master track programs. I'm doing a keynote at the Arthur still. It's a really cool university, a dental school in Arizona. Yes. Yep. So I'm, doing, I'm doing a two hour, I'm doing a keynote I'm at their faculty retreat. So I'm talking to the brains that teach oh, smart dentists. So that's awesome. I am, you know, it's good to be anxious once in a while, but I'm like, I'm, I gotta, I gotta prepare. I gotta make sure I, I don't mind cross my teeth <laughs> for this. So I gotta, I gotta breathe deep and uh, be very present for two hours to teach the teachers about uh, what I do and, and, and who I am and why I'm what I am and uh, about the mind, body, mouth connection. So um, yeah, I love sharing. I'm hygiene, hygienists get the wellness message. I love speaking to hygienists. Like they get wellness, they get prevention. You know, dentists, I know we make more of our income from fixing and there's nothing wrong with that. That's the, the kind of the end that we kind of get stuck with. But I think hygienists really get the prevention side. So I, I did a huge program at the RDH under one roof uh, last in July and uh, 1,400 hygienists all, you know, shaking their chakras and doing the yeah. warrior one. It was, it was crazy. It was That's absolutely crazy. awesome. Oh, I love it. Yeah, well, on the ADA, you, you're going to see me escape my, uh, my booth and come over and see some of your programs because you, you just put on a great program and I learn something from you all the time, every time I'm with you. So thank you so much for spending time with us. I'm confident that our listeners are getting a ton of great information. And like I said before, thank you for who you are for the industry and just people in general because you just shine a light on something that's so very important to us. Oh, thanks, Kim. You, you ask great questions. I, I really, you help support me uh, being even better than I was, better, better than I could be this morning. So thank oh, you. I appreciate it. That's awesome. All right. Well, have an amazing day. Yeah. Thanks, Kim. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Practice Mastery Podcast. For more information on fortune management and to find an event in your area, please visit fortunemgmt.com. 